Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to Resurrection City Church. I, I know for some of you it's, our, it's your first time being here and it's, it's a good time to be here. We are, uh, as Julie said, we are celebrating our, our first birthday. We are one years old, um, we're close to walking here soon and uh, all the other stuff that comes with that. So soon you won't be able to stop us from running around and, and messing everything up, I guess. So... Um, but yeah, really, thank you so much for being here. Um, I think, uh, so we are, we are going through, we, we just finished up going through a sermon series. Um, my name's Joel, by the way. I think I should have said that, um, in case you don't know who I am. I'm Joel, I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for being here on our birthday. Um, we just finished up a sermon series going through kind of three weeks of just why do we do church? Why, do we, why would we plant a church? Why, w- why do we continue to gather here on Sunday morning and, and then meet together throughout the week? Why do, we ha- why do we have some tasks that we're going out and trying to do as a way to honor God? We, we talked about that for three weeks. And, and what we're going to be doing now is starting a sermon series where we're going to be doing something similar but with the Lord's Prayer. This prayer that Jesus gave us that we, you know, Christians for centuries have have been praying together in unison as, as a way to honor and worship and glorify God and teach themselves who God is. So we're going to talk about that thing that we, we do often, that we can often take for granted. And I think as we, we do this on our birthday, it's a good chance for us to kind of just reflect on the importance of going back to those first things. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're celebrating a birthday. We, we've grown, right? We're a different church in a lot of ways than we were a year ago. But that doesn't mean, even though we've grown, that we should not still be going back to the same things we valued and we desired to do right from day one. Right? Every time we celebrate a birthday as a church, we, that should cause us to, to reflect back on the same things uh, that we, we set out to do as a church when we launched um, on January 27th, 2019. All right, and, and it's a similar thing with, uh, with the Lord's Prayer and with church. And, and we, we like to do these sermon series every year um, where we just kind of walk through something just a few weeks that we, we do often as a church that we can take for granted and just talk about the importance of the, the normal things that Christians do. All right, because um, I, I, you know, I think we think growing sometimes means we, we've moved beyond childish stuff, right? And that's true for us a, as people, but it's, it's not true for us as Christians and for us in the church. The things that we value, the things that we should be caring about remain the same. And so instead of always thinking there's some greater horizon to, to breach, and don't get me wrong, growth is important. We will grow in maturity in how we, we exercise these things and how we apply them to our lives. But the name of the game doesn't change the more we grow. And that's important for us to remember in this sermon series and on our birthday. So um, anyway... Like I said, we are going through a sermon series now. It's going to be about five weeks. We're going to go through uh, line by line through the Lord's Prayer and talk about each of these uh, petitions or clauses within the prayer um, and what is going on here. What did Jesus have in mind as he told us that we should pray in this way? Okay, so, so fundamentally this is about the Lord's Prayer, but it's also just about prayer in general. All right, so let's just talk about why, why would we do a sermon series on prayer? Why is it important for us to talk about this thing that, again, we could take for granted? That, like, we do on a regular basis, right, that, that's, that comes naturally. It should be a simple thing. Why would we pause to talk about it? All right, so, so first of all, just a couple reasons. Why? First of all is that a vivid prayer life is a normal and expected thing for us as Christians. Okay? Prayer is just, it's not complicated. It's communication with God. Okay? It's not hard, but like all things, it's not as easy as it seems, right? And, and the more that you, you dig into it, the more you find that you have to really work at this. You have to think about it if you're going to do communication. For those of you who are married, 
um, maybe you can relate to this idea that, like, literally, me and Julie's, when we fight, I would say 75 to 80% of the time, it's communication issues. It's not like we're on a different page. It's just like one of, one of us, usually me, failed to communicate something properly or to, or to understand Julie well. All right? The same is true with coworkers, with bosses, with, um, with uh, parents, with children, with siblings. All the people that we have meaningful relationships with, we find as we spend time with them that our learning to communicate well with them is incredibly important. And the same is true with God and prayer is us communicating with God. So it's important for us to, uh, to, to, to think about who we are and who God is as we enter into communication with him because that will help us to do communication well. And we'll find that our prayers reflect how we view God ultimately. So if you are afraid of going to God or if you are um, if you don't think you know, God is really worth spending that much time talking to, you'll find that you don't pray that often, right? Even if you don't actually think that in your head, you'll find that truly deep down in your heart. If you're, if you're not going to, pr- to prayer often, there's some reason why that must be taking place. And if you think God's just a vending machine, then your prayers are just going to be going to him with asking for stuff, right? Just thinking, I, whatever I need, I'll just ask God for it, and then my life will be happy, and I, won't, I, I don't really need to pray for any other reason other than that. And you find, as, as you really examine your prayer life, that a, sort of a picture of how you view God kind of comes forth. So because of that, I think it's, it's really important for us to understand who God is and to reflect that in our prayers. And that's why the Lord's Prayer is so important, because it's the prayer that Jesus gave us. This is the second reason we would want to talk about this. Okay? It's not just any old prayer. Spontaneous prayer is good. I think it's good that we just go to God with whatever is on our heart. But I also think it's good that we, we follow this sort of a model or, or template or the, this, this way that Jesus gives us to pray because it reflects a true understanding of who God is, and it, it, it's, it's a prayer that will guard our heart against like, the bad reasons we would go to pray. And we'll, we'll talk about that as we go um, through the sermon series, but, but largely I want us to see this prayer as a gift from God through Jesus to us to help us to know how to communicate well with God and to help ourselves to view him rightly as we seek to do communication with him well. Okay, So, so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. Now a little bit of a, a background on the sermon, of, uh, uh, or sorry, on um, the the Lord's Prayer, just to help you understand like what precipitates this w- when it comes up. What we're taking from Matthew six, uh, the Lord's Prayer actually shows up to two different spots in the Gospels. Once in Luke, we're going to be primarily talking through the the Matthew six version of the prayer, and and before it, Jesus is do, giving this the sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of the quintessential uh, message that Jesus gives to uh, to people following him before he goes to the cross um, and dies and then rises again as sort of the triumph of his ministry. And, and it's not an unusual thing for a rabbi or a teacher in that time to teach um, their disciples how to pray. We, we know that John the Baptist actually teaches his disciples how to pray. We, we find that out in the Luke, in Luke uh, 11 version of this. And so it's not surprising that they would want Jesus to teach them how to pray, but there is a, a lot about it that would be surprising um, in terms of how he tells them to pray. Okay, and, and I think it's important for, for us to also just 
get a little context of what Jesus says right before he actually gives them the prayer. Because um, in Matthew 6, 5 to 7, he tells them, not only is this how you should pray, or this is what you should pray, but this is what, what I want you, like how I want you to pray, like how I want you to go about praying this prayer. And he tells them uh, to go into a room on their own, find a, find a space where they're just on their own, and they can pray kind of softly and undisturbed towards God. He says, don't be like the hypocrites who go into the street and pray so everyone can hear. The, the Greek word for hypocrites there um, is, is that, that gets translated hypocrites is uh, a word that means like a stage actor or like a like a someone in a play right so so he says don't be like someone who's putting on a show who's who's taking on a character to show everybody else how pious and righteous you are by making sure everyone can see your prayer okay that is not the right way to approach God and pray okay instead find a quiet place to do it and, and when you do pray he says you don't need to babble on he says like the pagans who think that you can you can just overwhelm God with your emotion and all your great words that you go to him as if you can kind of control him and 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 sort of uh, point him in the right direction right so he'll you make sure he answers your prayer by by cajoling him through all all of your great words and, and how long. He says, don't worry about any of that stuff, right? Wesley Hill says it, he says it great. He, he sums up what Jesus is saying so well here. Go find a quiet place where you can relax, Jesus seems to say. Unclench your fists, breathe deeply, let your heart rate decrease, right? Get, get comfortable, right? Be, become quiet, become still. Try to quiet your heart down so you can enter into this rightly. Sort of uh, put yourself in, in the right headspace because this is the right way to approach your God, he says. And we'll find out why here in a second, okay? So let's just, let's just dive into the prayer. I'll read it for you all. Again, I, I assume most of you, if not all of you in the room are familiar, you've heard this before, but it's good to hear it and then we'll, we'll jump into the part of the prayer that we'll be um, uh, really spending our whole time with today, okay? So here we go. Here's the prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, we pray this about once a month here at Res City because, again, it's the prayer that Jesus gave us. It's the prayer we want to we root ourselves to. So during the call to worship time, which we did just a little bit ago, once a month, we will have everybody stand and we'll pray this prayer together um, to, to put our hearts right. But I think that we shouldn't, ju- you know, it's a very formal thing, right? Most of you are probably used to praying this in groups, right? But I would encourage you, and we'll talk about this as the sermon series kind of unfolds, to use this as a, as a to pray this as it is during the week, but also kind of use it as like a model or a template. Apply certain things in the prayer to what is specifically going on in your life or, or apply, it, apply it to certain situations, apply it to the church. I think that is how we should be praying. We, we should be praying this so that it, 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 it takes this model that Jesus has given us and it, and it applies itself to what we're actually going through so that we pray about those things that we're going through in the manner that Jesus taught us, all right? So we'll talk about that throughout the series as we, as we walk through it and how you can be conscious of thinking about that. But let's, let's get into the part of, this, of, the, of the prayer that we're gonna be really uh, delving into today. And that's the very first part. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is what was called sometimes the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is simple. You'll notice there's really basically two elements of this. Our Father and the one who is hallowed, okay? And, and so it's, it's two ways to think about God that, if you think about it, are kind of at odds, kind of at, in attention with one another, 
okay? And this is not an accidental thing, all right? I think the key to grasping this prayer and to viewing God correctly is to hold these two things in tension. God is our Father, but he is also in heaven. His name is hallowed. His name is above us, all right? So we're going to talk about that today, but I think for, for wherever you're at, maybe you're coming in in a different place, one of these things like all of us probably needs to reflect on today. Maybe you're, from where you're coming in, you need to, to grow in your understanding of God as Father. Or maybe you need to grow in your understanding of, of seeing God as hallowed. His name is, is great. His name is other than us. All right, so be thinking about that as we walk through the sermon today and think a little bit about, um, you know, which of these do I need to hear? Which of these do I need to impress upon my heart maybe as, as we talk about this prayer and as I go forth from here and, and pray this prayer on my own? All right, so first, let's talk about our Father. Um, now, this is like, this is, it's not the first time that anyone in the Bible has told, has identified God as the Father of Israel or, or as a Father figure, but it happens pretty rarely in the Old Testament. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he uses the word Father, I think it's like 170 times in the four Gospels. It's an explosion of, of, of references to God as Father. Um, versus I think like out of, out of half a million words in the Old Testament or something like that, I think the word Father is applied to God like 15 times total. So it's a huge just explosion of references to God as Father that comes when Jesus shows up on the scene. And, and I think what he's doing is, 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 think about a time you met someone who was famous or you really respected, you really just thought highly of this person and you went up to him and you said, it's so nice to meet you, like doctor, whatever, or Mr. or Mrs. Or you, you didn't want to like, you know, seem rude by calling them by their, by their first name. And they just, you know, and they kind of say to you really lovingly, oh no, it's okay, you can call me whatever, you know, whatever my first name is. You can just call me Joel. You don't have to call me Pastor Stegman or something like that. I know you probably all think of me in that way, right? Please feel free to just call me Joel, though. Okay, um, that's kind of what, what he's doing here. He's saying, listen, God is king. God is other. He is the God of the whole universe, right? But you should be calling him father. You should be referring to him in that way that denotes like a familiarity with him, all right? There, that, that there is not some sort of barrier between you and him that, that is there because of your station being so much lower than him. All right, that Jesus is trying to remove that and says, when we approach God, we should refer to him in a way that reflects um, a, familiar, a familial nature, a, a sort of, there is no barrier between us now, okay? Um, and Jesus, Jesus as God's son, called, he directly refers to God as father often. We're going to be going through the book of John after the sermon series, and he does it all the time. He refers to God as his father and him as God's son on a regular basis. And you sense this sort of intimacy between Jesus and God the Father, that like he is the only one that has seen God the Father, he's the one that's authorized representative, he knows the Father, the Father loves him, and when Jesus is saying to us that we are supposed to call God Father, he's inviting us into that same intimacy that he has with his Father. Again, Wesley Hill says this, Uh, know you're already bathed in the Father's love and ask simply for what you need in the assurance that the one to whom you're speaking is already cupping his ear in your direction. See, God as Father is for you and he desires to know you. That's fundamentally what a father is supposed to do towards his children. And so when we call God Father, we are acknowledging that reality. That means that when we follow him, when we love him, when we ask him for something, we're not doing it as subjects. 
We're doing it as sons and daughters. We're doing it as people who, who feel free to approach God and to just put our hearts on the line and, and ask God for what we need and tell him how we're feeling, just like a child comes to their parent and, and does the same. Now, another angle to look at this from is that, especially in the, in the ancient world, the father had a profession. And he had a family trade, and it would just kind of get traced through, um, traced through the family line. So, like, if you were a blacksmith, you probably had a dad who was a blacksmith, and a grandfather who was a blacksmith, and a great-grandfather who was a blacksmith, and so on and so forth. It just would get traced down the line. So, when you, um, when you have a father, that means you're probably, especially if you're a son in that society, you're probably roped into the family trade of kind of carrying on the family business. Now, when, when we pray to God as our father then, Jesus is saying, we're identifying that he is up to something. He, he, is a, he has a trade, and that trade is reconciliation and redemption in the world, and we get to take part in that family trade too. When we call him father, we're identifying that like the family business is ours to do too. We're, we want to get to know, we want to learn this. We want to be like our dad, right? You know how kids like want to put their, their parents' clothes on sometimes and just pretend they're playing adult or different things, right? Because they admire, they look up to their parents. That's what we're supposed to do with God our Father as well. And one of the cool things about this is, again, this is a very male-dominated time in history, right? So, so typically, the, the son would be the one who would take on the family trade, but that's not really open to women, typically. But for, for women and men to get to call God Father, they're Jesus is inviting both of them to kind of be a part of the family trade. This kind of like, it, it, this is, it's done away with, that just, just the son gets to be a part of this now. And that's super cool. Now, we, we talk about father as like, a, like the reason that, that, that God, you know, God is, he's not actually like our father in the way that our human fathers are, right? That's obvious. So there's like a sort of like, a, like a, an analogy here going on. It's not necessarily, maybe analogy is not the right word, but as a way of, of reference to help us understand how we're supposed to relate to God, God uses the word father because we have a familiarity with that term, right? So it helps us to understand better how we're supposed to relate to God because we look at our own uh, earthly fathers or, we, or if you are a father or a, or a mother, if you're a parent, you look at your own children and you think about the way you relate to them. That is supposed to help you to understand how we're supposed to relate to God. It, you know, you're supposed to think about your own experience of fatherhood or parenthood when you hear this. Now, for some of us in the room, that might actually be really difficult, right? Maybe you've had a poor experiences w- with fatherhood in, for, for some reason, right? And if that's you, like, I want to first say, I'm sorry, like, my heart breaks for you if that's the case. And, and that's just a, a, a product of a fallen world that we live in, that even something so basic as, as parenthood has been kind of mangled by, by sin and death in the world, right? Um, and, and so, if that's you, I want to like invite you to reshape your view of fatherhood, not by reference to um, like the, the earthly father that you may have, but to ref, but, but to reference to like God Himself, to reorient your vision for what fatherhood is supposed to be by looking at God Himself. And you can do that by just reading the rest of the prayer, right? How does God as Father relate to us? Well, He invites us to come and bring our our, our needs to Him, to, to bear our heart to Him. Um, he, he's working for our good, right? We, we 
we trust that even if we don't totally understand it, just like a kid looks at his dad and knows his dad goes off to work every day, doesn't really know what he's doing, but trusts he's up to doing something good to help society, to benefit people. We know that the same is true of God, even if we don't see that going on. He, he invites us into the family trade. He cares about our needs so much that we're supposed to go ask him for help, ask him for our daily needs on a regular basis. We're supposed to go to him. He, he forgives us. He protects us from, from going towards paths of temptation or trial as much as he can. Um, and, and he um, protects us from evil itself. Right? He, he, he fights on our behalf to, to hold evil at bay uh, from coming into our lives. That's, the, that's what f- the, f- the, f- the Father in heaven does for us. And that's what, what, what true fatherhood looks like. So if that's you, like hearing the word father, um, feeling hurt in your heart because you don't have a good picture of that, then I want to invite you to, to reorient your view of that by looking at, at, at God as father. He's not an ab- absent or abusive dad. He's not like a dumb sitcom dad, right, that you see on TV. Um, he's, he's not a dad who just gives you whatever you want, right? Just whatever. Yeah, here, here's a hundred bucks. Go do whatever you want with it. You know, he, he's not that dad either. Um, and, and he wants to challenge us. He wants us to grow because he loves us so much. That's who our God as Father is, okay? Now, let's move on to the second part of the prayer here because maybe, maybe you you know, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're like, I totally, I have a good dad, I have a great relationship with my father, I respect him very much, um, and so, like, I have a good picture for that. Let's move into the second part of this prayer here, the, the other part of the, the twofold uh, tension that we find in this prayer itself, and this is um, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, like I said, the Father part might be easy for some of us, um, but, but sometimes we can come to view our parents as, like, just a parent, right? Um, doesn't get it. Maybe they're out of touch. You know, maybe maybe as I grow older, I learn more. I learn more than my parents. I feel like I, I I'm at a place as an adult where I can start to kind of judge their decisions. And as a kid, I I wouldn't, but now I can kind of you know put my understanding and my reason and what I've learned up against theirs, and we can have good conversations. We're kind of on like a level playing field, um, and. And that's, that's true of us, right? And that, that's something where this part of the prayer causes us to stop ourselves when we start to view God that way, okay? Because we will never get to that place with, with God our Father, okay? He will always be other than us and beyond our comprehension and our understanding. That's really what, what the word hallow here, which is kind of a weird word, right? It's not a word I would imagine we use very much in our workplaces or just in our everyday life, okay? I'm guessing not. But that's what the word hallow means here, all right? The word hallow means to honor, to make uncommon, uh, to make something special, okay? And Wesley Hill again says, to put it bluntly, the God of the Bible, he's totally beyond our categories. And when we approach him in prayer, while at the same time calling him father, we're also supposed to acknowledge that while he's our father, he is still beyond us. We still cannot comprehend him. And some of us need to need to think about that as we approach God through the Lord's Prayer. Now, one of my, one of my favorite places in the Bible that I think makes this point very clear, God's otherness, his beyondness from us, is actually in the book of Job. Um, Job is, he's had a few bad days, you, you know, that's one way to put it, um, and he, he actually like wants, he wants to kind of go to God, and, and he, he feels like God has treated him totally unfairly, and he, he wants to go and sort of like tell God, guess what, like, you were wrong, and I got a bunch of proof to kind of explain to you why, why this is the case, right? Job spends a very long time sort of uh, talking, you know, verbally processing how he's feeling about what's happened to him. And, and 
make no mistake, he's had a, a really tough go of it. This, Job is a great book to go to if, if that's how you feel, okay? But God finally shows up to him at the very end of the book, and he has about a four-chapter conversation with Job. It's not really much of a conversation, actually. God does most of the talking, all right? And here's what he tells Job. I just picked out a small part of that, but you kind of get the gist of the whole, the whole uh, conversation by, by reading these few verses. He, he asks Job, you know, what is the way of the abode of light, and, and where does darkness reside, right? Are you the one that turns the lights on in the morning and then turns them off at night when everyone goes to bed? Um, can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths of their dwelling? Do you, do you lead the sun on so that it, it leaves the sky and you no longer see it at night? Surely you must know, Job. For you, are already, for you are already born. You have lived so many years, right? You are so wise, my friend, right? Um, you, you know so much, you think. So God just is like, dude, we're not gonna have this conversation right now, okay? It wouldn't be fair to you because you might get a little bit embarrassed if you try to really put yourself in this standpoint of, of thinking you can, you can dictate to me how I should act, right? You know, we're not even gonna have that conversation because I am so far beyond you. This is a great one for us, us Minnesotans. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of warm battle? You think you're so smart, right? You think you, you know, like this is a bad time to get for it to snow because you're having trouble getting to work now or something like that, right? Um, don't you know, this is really profound to me, uh, like don't you know that I save this to use at the right time to confound the plans of the wicked is what he's saying. Right? Basically, I reserve it to stop bad things from happening. You wouldn't think that necessarily, would you? But, but I am so in charge of what's going on here, and what I'm doing is so far beyond you. Right? I see from a total different vantage point for you that when it does snow, apparently God is using it for times of trouble, for, di- t- for days of war and battle to stop bad stuff from happening, which is crazy, right? So applying this kind of idea to the prayer, God is saying to us as we, as we call him hallowed, as we enter into this prayer, we're saying, he's saying to us, do you think you can just twist my arm with your prayer? You can kind of get what you want from me? just by praying well, just by coming and, and showing up and, and, and convincing me that, you know, I should do exactly what you say. That's not what prayer is supposed to be, he's saying, because I'm so far beyond you. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is absolutely the place to go to God with, with how you're feeling and even to ask him hard questions. I actually want to encourage you to do that. I would rather you go to God and do that to go, than go do it somewhere else. You should do that in front of God, okay? But um, you have to, we, God wants you to aim those questions at the right target, which, which is a father who we can approach, but we can never be, we can never exploit, we can never twist his arm to, to just make sure he gives us his way. And, I, and I, if you can grasp that tension, I think you're on your way to moving forward and praying the rest of the prayer. I think that's, that's the genius of this first part of the prayer because, listen, if you view God as a father, if you have a loving father who you truly believe wants your best, truly believe is, is, is for you, is working for your good, you're not going to try to twist the arm of that, of that father, right? You're not going to go out and try to, you know, try to manipulate him to get your own way, right? You would never do that to a father who you trust intimately. And you won't try to do it to someone that you are so in awe of, that you are, are so captured by the vision of how great and, and other than you he is, that you're not going to try to c- control that God either, right? And that's the, the genius of the way that the prayer starts itself out, because it sets our hearts right so that everything we're about to pray now, including asking God for stuff, we are going to go about doing with the right heart, okay? So that's why it's so important that we have this part of the prayer down pat as we enter into the rest of it. 
Now, as we close here, I just want to draw attention to the fact that, um, that maybe you're still feeling the tension. Maybe you're still feeling like, how do I resolve these two? It's just too great for me to, to put those two things up against each other. And I want to say that there's one thing that actually resolves the tension for us. And if we can get this, get the target of this right, we, we, we sh- you know, the tension should go away. And that thing that resolves it is Jesus himself. The one who gives us the prayer makes it possible so that we can resolve that tension. In one place, we see both of these things taking place. Because we see the manif- Jesus himself is the manifestation of the Father's love, right? It's not like a, it's not a sappy love. It's not a s- sort of squishy love that we admire in the society, which really a lot of times just amounts to like, I just hope, you know, good things happen to that person, but I'm not actually going to do any, I love them so much I'm going to leave them alone, right, and not do anything for them. That's how we view love a lot of times in society. That's not the Father's love. The Father's love is, is manifested in Jesus who gives himself for us on the cross by dying and, and making it so that we can now enter into God's presence. We can actually call him Father. And he, he doesn't view us anymore as, as, as the enemy, as, as rebels, but as, as, do, as sons and daughters. Jesus, his self-sacrificial giving of himself, which is a manifestation of the Father's love, that's, that's, that's how we can even see God as Father. So we see in Jesus that the Father's love is tied up in him, but then also the manifestation of the Father's otherness, his greatness in how Jesus, in his power, dies on the cross, destroys the grip of sin and death on our lives, right? So only someone that's completely other than us can come and actually you know, destroy the problems in the world of sin and death um, that work themselves out, that, that tar and, and, and mar everything about our lives. We need something other than us to fix the problems of the world, right? And Jesus, because he is other, like God, can come in and fix those problems for us. That's what the cross is about, right? It, it is absolving us of our guilt and making us new creation, new creatures who go out and work for good in the society just as our Father commands us. So Jesus resolves the tension for us. And in giving us this prayer, Jesus invites us to partake in the reality of that incarnation, the kingdom of God, the cross and the resurrection, which means forgiveness and life for us. Everything about the Lord's prayer is centered on Jesus. And we're going to talk about that as we move through the rest of the sermon. But for now, we're going to wrap up. We're going to enter into a time of communion and worship and prayer, just like we do every single Sunday at this time. So um, if you're just visiting us today, we want to... As, we want to invite you to come take communion with us, even if you, you'll never be back. Um, we ask you to take communion with us. We just ask that you're a follower of Jesus. You can come on up. You can take from the, take a, from the loaf of bread here and take a cup of, uh, of grape juice, representing Jesus, the, the manifestation of God's uh, Father love for us by sending his son to die on our behalf um, and, and to give us new life through the breaking of his own body. Life comes to us through his death, and we remind ourselves of that every single week here at Res City. We're going we're gonna to enter into worship where we're going to have our hearts drawn into the greatness and otherness and love of God through music. And so please reflect back to God that, that, lo- that, that understanding of who he is through worship as well. And if you need prayer for anything at all, we're going to have someone in the back who's going to be able to pray for you, um, whatever that is. Just someone will be hanging out in the back after you're done taking communion, and they would be happy to to pray with you no matter what it is that you um, are working through. So let's enter into our time of prayer here, and then we will uh, worship and take communion together. Uh, Lord, you are our Father, and your name is great. Your name is hallowed. 
we thank you that you love us with the love of a father, but you are not just like any old father. You are so far beyond us, we will never grow into a place where we will be you, where we can uh, understand you totally, God. And that is a good thing. I pray that we can grasp the, the greatness of that father who invites us to come to him with, with everything that we have in our hearts, to, to pour that out on the table before him and to trust that he is good and he is beyond our categories. Lord, please help us to see you in that way um, as we enter into every prayer that we pray, Lord, daily. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.